Hold your wet, hold your wet, hold your wet. Y'all know how we get started on this side. Quick roll call. One my Saints fans, my Falcon fans, my Buck fans, my Panther fans. Whether you keep pining and firing off them cannons, rising up or yelling out who that. Whatever you do to support your team, I'm just glad that you're here supporting me. I, Darian, the mouth of the South Gray, the one and only host of Point Blank, period. Recorded and coming to you live from the Jansport, per usual. On Instagram at underscore mouth of the South. On Twitter at South Exclusives. Happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Man, it feels good. Feels good to be back on the mic. I wasn't sure how how I was gonna take this show, what direction I was gonna take it this week. But I decided to just jump out the gate and talk about these injuries because this just feels like the year of people just missing games, whether it's for injury or COVID. And a familiar face is back on that list. And that name is Christian McCaffrey. So Christian McCaffrey has missed six games this year, and it looks like he's about to miss his seventh with a separated shoulder against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They ruled him out. And I know these are two completely unrelated injuries, but I'm going to get into something that Matt Rule said during his press conference that I'm not going to say I completely disagree with, but it definitely piqued my interest. So like I said, he missed the first six games with a high ankle sprain, and now he has a separated shoulder injury that he suffered at the end of the Chiefs game. And it's sad, man. It's, it's sad to see this because... He just got back from injury against the Chiefs, so he wasn't even able to go a full game, and that's disappointing. But here's what Matt Rule said that had me thinking. Matt Rule said that he has not entertained the thought of Christian McCaffrey missing the rest of the season. And I'm here to say he might want to think about it. He might want to entertain that thought. And I'm not saying that they should worry about this shoulder injury keeping him out for the rest of the season. They might want to think about actually shutting him down. And the problem with doing that the problem with shutting down Christian McCaffrey is essentially you're conceding the season. And that's no disrespect to Mike Davis. He held up well when Christian McCaffrey was out with his ankle sprain, and I think he may hold up well this week against the Bucks. But when you tell your, your best player you're done for the year, no. That's basically giving up the season. <laughs> like that's just that's no disrespect to Mike Davis. You wouldn't send him down right now, though. But the thought has to at least cross your mind as a coach, as a possibility in the future. The case against shutting him down is basically he's your best player. Like I said, that's a white flag. The injuries have been unrelated because one's a shoulder injury, one's an ankle injury. And the season isn't over. You still got seven games left on your schedule. And you got a bye week as well. But for a couple of reasons, I'm going to say why I think it may be a good thing. And I want to set a single parameter, just one. And if that doesn't happen, this conversation doesn't even need to be had. Christian McCaffrey has to miss the next two games, and the Panthers have to lose the next two games. Two things that no Panther fans and nobody in that organization is hope happen. But that has to happen for this conversation to even be had. So right now you're sitting at 3-6, and six, and with that parameter, that's two losses in a row, that puts you at 3-8. and eight. Personally, I think that puts the playoffs out of reach. It's already tough enough to get in there at 3-6 and six right now. You know, I had a hot start, but they really cooled down. But at 3-8, and eight, I, I don't know. You have to win all five. You have to win all five of your games. And even then, you may not make the playoffs. And I don't want my best player who has been snake-bitten this year. Yes, I'm, I'm saying snake-bitten because it's not like he had an ankle injury that turned into a a calf injury that turned into a knee injury or anything, but it was an ankle injury and a shoulder injury. 
but even snake bitten, I wouldn't want you playing in games that are meaningless and honestly just risking yourself to get hurt more. He won't want to hear that because he's a soldier. The fan base won't want to hear that because they like, come on, we trying to win. But that's how me, Coach Gray, would handle it. So how does Christian McCaffrey being out this game affect, affect the Bucks' game plan? Well, over the last two years, the Bucks have been very effective at stopping Christian McCaffrey. His best game was this year with 59 yards rushing, 29 yards receiving. And in the previous two games, he failed to top 40 yards rushing. He still has not gained 30 yards receiving. And I think that has a lot to do with 545. Extremely athletic. They fare well sideline to sideline. Screens aren't going to work against them because they're rangy. I mean, if you know me, I've sat here and I've went on and on about how much I, I love this duo and how I just think they're amazing. But I think the last couple of weeks, they've shown that the, the Tampa Bay run defense, you're more effective running at them. The Saints had a lot of had a lot of success through the air, but they also got a couple of big runs running right at Tampa Bay, not trying to go off tackle or pitch it out, just running right at them. You've seen the Giants have success running right at them. So while that front that front seven has had a good job stopping Christian McCaffrey, Mike Davis is a lot more powerful, and that may actually come in handy when you're talking about going against a Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense who is more vulnerable on the inside rather than trying to go outside so I think running Mike Davis will actually be a key for the Panthers but what am I looking for from the Bucks? because it's obviously a bounce back game I'm interested to see how they're going to bounce back because I've heard that the, that the Bucks came out flat against the Saints I mean you can look at it you can I personally think that they kind of took the will away from them but I've heard a lot of people say that and I don't I don't I don't see how that couldn't be the case you know it could have happened but my question is how how could you possibly come out flat in that game I could see why people would say they came out flat but how could you do it it's not like they were on this long winning streak it may not feel like it but the Saints were actually on a longer winning streak than they were they had just inched by the Giants the week before this was a game for the division not just a divisional matchup but this was for the division lead and they knew that and lastly and most importantly, the Saints beat the Bucks earlier this season. So for the for the Bucks to come out flat is extremely, extremely disappointing if that is the case. If that's the case and you just came out flat in a game that has so much on the line against a team that had beat you earlier, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like you this is one of those games that the coach doesn't need to motivate you for in my opinion so if I'm gonna come out flat man if that, if that is the case disappointing but what I'm looking for them is you're in another divisional game and you have to bounce back what are you gonna do and I'm looking for this guy who is not bouncing back but is returning and that's Ali Marpet the offensive line struggled last week so it's great for them that Marpet is returning to practice the Saints uh beat up that offensive line so getting Marpet back should help them control the line of scrimmage and in my opinion, that offensive line getting beat up by the Saints defensive line is the biggest reason that the Saints were able to win that game in the fashion that they did with such defensive dominance. That's my opinion. You can go into the offensive side of the ball and how everything happened for the Saints, but if we're talking about stopping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not being able to get anything going, 
a lot of that came down to the offensive line. So getting Mark Pitt back to be able to anchor down the line again is very important. And it should give him some more time to pass and run the ball more efficiently. And since we're talking about running the ball, running has been a thing that has been discussed about this whole year. I've heard multiple Buck fans complain about how Byron Leftwich wants to run the ball on first down. And all right, look, that may be a thing you, you want to be upset about. But I mean, I'm telling you right now, running the ball five times in the game is not the answer. And that's exactly what the Bucks did last week. Only ran five times. A lot of that has to do with them being down. I understand that. But come on. And the worst part about it is not only did they beat a, a, a league record for least amount of rushes in an NFL game in NFL history, early in the game, they had some effective runs. They did. I, I, I remember a couple. I think one might have been wiped out by, by a penalty. But Ronald Jones had two nice runs to begin the game. I know what you may be thinking. Me saying that the Bucks had two good runs all game may have you looking at me sideways like, really, just two? And that's why you said they need to run the ball more? But, hey, well, you only ran the ball a handful of times. Two ain't that bad of a percentage, in my opinion. So I think that that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for how do they game plan against Mike Davis? How does Ali Marpet help the offensive line bounce back because they need to bounce back just as much as Tom Brady and uh, coaching, if that's one of the things you point to. And then run the ball, man. Run the ball effectively. At one point this season, Ronald Jones had three games with 100 yards back to back to back. And I think that Fournette could, get, could be even better for you if you give him more touches, even though you are involving him in a passing game. See, that's what I'm looking for. Run the ball. Ali Marpet, stop Mike Davis. And for Carolina... Not right now, but if you lose the next two games and McCaffrey is hurt the next two games, you may want to think about just sitting him down and not risking it because he has not had the best luck injury-wise. That's all I'm saying. But it's Friday the 13th, so I'm going to let this whole song ride out. It's Freddy vs. Jason, Fabulous vs. Jadakiss, the intro. Let's go. Tonight, I lie awake and this man is burning. Every waking moment he haunts me. He's coming. I know he's coming. I see someone else in the fog by the lake and he's holding something. Who is he? No Browns done turn pookie out here. No cool, it's just goofies out here. I mean, does he import wearing koofies out here? Through it all, stood tall, doofy out here. Ten toes down, I'm on two feet out here. Truthfully out here, I'll be toothly out here. Getting fly, no bull, I'm the two three out here. From Jordan's, you ain't see. Shout out to Carolina, to all baby me's. I see all you Harrowminas. Mixtape three peats, I fade away at the go go. With girls that have spread their legs open for a logo. Hey, check out the swag, yo, I walk like a ball player to the locker room. I'm back to cockatoon. Toast to all you that was talking cockatoon. We on a different flow, we ain't sending vodka to him. The shots that we giving make you send a doctor to him. Betty say ah when it block a block a tune. Now he in an awkward room, trying to lock a goon like the shoe. 
dude that had a hood on might have been Dr. Doom. Sounded like a fifth or a nine. Couldn't tell though. All of a sudden thunder. It might have been hoodie mellow. You saw if it's put in jello. Would come to your hood and hello. Waving at everybody. Ain't trying to be put in jello. All I know is that the Lambo look good in yellow. And I be swerving potholes in every hood and ghetto. Lame swerve. I lame swerve. It's been 10 years and you the same swerve. I just gotta keep on keeping on. But I'm not gonna be the one you keep on sleeping on. This verse right here be your worst nightmare. I just laugh at you. They come after you. Freddy. <laughs> Full speed, I'm walking, I still catch you. Yeah. Mr. Voyees, good looking, I destroy these. These ain't bosses, they workers and employees. I came out of the lake, but I be in the boondocks. Flannel with overall, work boots, tube socks. I put something right through your face from out the toolbox. Get hot and make the news, I make the news hot. You can be as hard as whoever, I crack craniums. You know all my killings are brutal and spontaneous. I like this, pop out soon as you hit the light switch. Running, then all of a sudden you fall like the white chips. Might have to crush your Adam's apple with the vice grips. You never see me during the day, I play the night shift. Cartilage, flesh and bone, damn gristle. Yeah. Be my guest, go ahead and hide, I can't miss you. You already know I reside at Camp Crystal. Yeah. Lake, dismantle your face, revamp tissue. Damn. Power from the hockey mask, James St. Patrick. Three bodies in one night, that's a hat trick. Yeah. Pay the plug soon as you finish, that's a backflip. Oh. Spend six, make 12 back, that's a flip. Sad part about it, you boys ain't even ready. Uh -huh. Preferably my weapon of choice is the machete. Yeah. Screaming at the top of your lungs before I mangle you. Zip you up in your sleeping bag before I strangle you. Yeah, I had it in me since a youngin'. When you hear that, you don't see me, but I'm coming. Everybody gotta die. Every man, every woman. Yeah. It ain't even no sense in running. My name ring around the nation. How the crime scene was left, they could tell that it was chasing. Welcome back to Point Blank Period. Like I said, I had to let that just ride out. I had to let the whole song play. So, y'all, I appreciate y'all sticking with me. You know, I, I ain't gonna lie. Y'all should really be thanking me. <laughs> y'all should be thanking me for blessing y'all with that one. Because I ain't heard that song in a while. But with it being Friday the 13th, I said, you know what? Why not? You know what I mean? Why not? Let's have a little fun. And now I'm gonna talk about the New Orleans Saints versus the, the San Francisco 49ers. And... Before I jump into that matchup, I want to talk about Mike Florio and Chris Sims. And y'all should be freaking shamed of y'all selves. Alright? I'm not about to play the clip up here because I ain't giving them no free promo or nothing like that. Mike Florio, Chris Sims, up there on that show crying about Saints fans getting after him was the dumbest and least professional thing that I have seen in sports media in a long time. And I should have discussed it on my podcast earlier this week, but I didn't. So I'm going to keep it short. But to sit out there or sit up there and flat out wish that a team loses so that you can make fun of the fans is unprofessional. And I know what you may be thinking, Darian. First off, you said that the Atlanta Falcons must lose to the Carolina Panthers. And if you are saying that, hey, I want to say good job. You got good memory. I appreciate you for checking out and being around for so long. But remember this. When I said that, that Atlanta should lose that game on purpose, it was to get Dan Quinn out. 
Now you sit here and tell me. Don't that seem like that was working out for y'all? All right then. Secondly, you may be thinking, Stephen A. Smith sits up here and does this with the Cowboys and roots against them and talks about how he hates the fan base. Well, let's be very clear. His is dramatic. It adds entertainment. Florio and Sims were sitting up there crying like a bunch of babies who were missing a bottle. It was disgusting. Chris Sims, the Saints put up a video of everybody voting against the Saints. And Chris Sims said, if we're wrong, the Saints fans going to get after us. So, Chris, you knew this was coming. What are you complaining about? That was disgusting, man. That honestly was disgusting. And I was, I was disappointed that I wasted 30, 30 seconds of my day checking that out. Stupid, man. It was terrible. But enough of that. After coming off of a huge victory against the Bucks, the Saints have to make sure that, that, that they don't get complacent. They don't look past the 49ers. And it would be easy to fall into that trap game for a couple of reasons. One, they just came off winning their biggest game of the year. That was a huge game, and they dominated. So it could be easy to feel like, oh, man, we, you know, we did it. Have your chest pumped out. Number two, after being doubted all week and counted out, they're now being discussed as one of the best teams in the NFL, or in the NFC at least. I still hear a lot of people saying all the best teams are in the AFC. But in this conference, the Saints are being discussed as the best team. Top three for sure. Be easy to get fat. You just got off your, you just came off winning the biggest game. Everybody on your jock. I get it. And then lastly, this 49ers team is battered. They are bruised and battered. And look, nobody's saying they're on the same level as the Bucks. That's the problem. People might start looking down. Okay, you can look past this one. Raheem Mostert, Tevin uh, Coleman, almost said Tevin Campbell, can't. Um, George Kittle, Jimmy G, all out with injury recently. Not even talking about boasters of it, all right? Sherm's back at practice, but Shanahan doesn't expect him to be ready until next week. Debo Samuel hasn't practiced all week with injury. Kendrick Bourne is on the COVID list. I would say that he won't play, but Allen Robinson was in the same situation against when the Saints faced off against the Bears, where he didn't practice all week while being on the COVID list. But then he came back for the Saints game. So I won't count Bourne out. But it's looking like he might not be able to play. This is a bruised and battered team. There's a reason that Ryan Clark was on ESPN and called him the 39ers. Because they are that battered. This does not feel like the real team in San Francisco. But I don't think that the Saints take the Niners lightly for these two reasons. One, Kyle Shanahan is on the other side. And if y'all remember last year's game, it was explosive. Okay? I think Kyle Shanahan, and most people would think Kyle Shanahan, is one of the best offensive play callers in the league today. And Peyton knows that. Peyton knows how good Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan excuse me, is at calling plays. I firmly believe that Kyle could take a random piece of turd and use it as manure. And what I mean by that is that whatever he get, he's going to make the best of it. So... I expect Sean to be on his A-game and trying to out-call, even if he doesn't have all the weapons that he wants, with he being Kyle Shanahan. I think Peyton still knows this guy can take turd and make it manure. So, with that being said, Sean, you got to come out on your A-game. And then the other reason that I don't think that the Saints will overlook the Niners is because of two players. 
That's Kyle, excuse me, I'm talking about Kyle Shanahan. That's Quan Alexander, the new addition, and that's Emmanuel Sanders. I'm going to start off with Quan Alexander. First off, you just got traded to this team. Let's take out who he got traded from. You just got traded to this team. Demario Davis, the leader on the defense, is talking about how quickly you're picking up the defense, which is great. And you back in your home state. You trying to tell me you don't want to show out? Let's take out the matchup. Quan Alexander wants to come out there and show out. Now let's bring the matchup in. He wants to come out there and show out, and going against the team that just traded him is adding motivation. And I don't mean that to say it's some type of ill will, but you can't sit here and tell me that when you walking past your old chick with your new chick, you don't feel a little good. You don't want to flex on her a little bit. You be lying. I done seen my I done seen my old chick around sometimes around campus. I'm a flex, even if I wasn't with nobody. It's just showing out and showing that person what they missed. And that's what Quan Alexander wants to do against the, the, the 49ers. I don't know Quan personally, but I would think so. And this is his first game with the Saints with the Saints. And when he was with the 49ers, he was mentioned as an energy guy. He was mentioned as a guy whose energy was just infectious. He was high energy. So even if he doesn't play the majority of the snaps, who knows if DeMario is just boosting him up, who knows how much time he'll actually play. Because we've seen Anzalone's snaps dwindle, and he's going to be playing that same position. You could argue either the Saints will replace Anzalone and give him or give Quan the snaps that Anzalone was getting earlier in the season, or you could just say they're going to ease him in because they've already started dwindling how much that position is used. So even if he doesn't play a lot of snaps, that energy, that urgency that I expect him to have will be infectious on the sideline. It will get in everybody's ear and get in everybody's heart, and they'll feel that. And I think that when you go to the offensive side of the ball, Emmanuel Sanders already said he's looking forward to kicking their ass. That's, that's his words. This ain't my words. These are his words, okay? <laughs> that energy that Sanders has already exuded and that energy that I expect Quan to have makes me highly doubtful that the New Orleans Saints will come into this game and just overlook the San Francisco 49ers and fall into the trap, even though it has all the makings of a trap game. So we'll see what goes now. We'll see what happens on Sunday. But y'all know the drill. I'm done with this episode. If y'all want to hear me again, run it back to the next time. Been daring the mouth of the South Gray. Point blank, period.